0: All right, well, not only are we launching all these ministries over the fall, but we are beginning a brand new fall series called Easy and Light, Easy and Light. And all this is based on incredible teachings that Jesus gave us 2,000 years ago, and they are just as incredible now as they were when Jesus first spoke them 2,000 years ago. Here's what he said. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Just keep that word rest in your brain. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's three words there that Jesus uses that we no doubt are going to want to make a part of our lives. We want to live this kind of life. Rest, easy, and light. Those are powerful words, we'll detail those here in a little bit, but these are the words that Jesus offers to us. This is the life that Jesus offers to us. Now, as we look at those words, we might think, okay, well, those are great words, but I'm stressed. I've got these issues and those issues, relationship issues, financial issues, you name it, we've got stress. All of us have stress to some degree or another, and we live in a culture that is a stressful culture. I'm going to show you a 60 second clip of a a music video that is among the most popular ever produced by a band that I'm quite fond of, 21 Pilots, and it's the song Stressed Out. Here's 60 seconds of that very popular video. To sleep, but now we're stressed out. Wish we could turn back time to the good old days When mama us to sleep, but now we're stressed out. Alright, so if you don't know that song or didn't hear the words, I wish we could turn back time to the good old days when mama sang us to sleep, but now we're stressed out. This video is masterfully produced. It begins with them writing giant big wheels, you know, big wheel trikes that we rode, you know, when we were young. And they're driving those down the road and they're going to each other's homes to play, right? And they're saying, where are those days, right? That was fun. We used to pretend that we were going to take rocket ships to space. We used to change each other's names just for fun. We used to play with play money. Now it's real money. And he's got his whole family around him. Say, hey, wake up. Those days are gone, right? Time to make money. Now there's nothing wrong with Growing up, there's nothing wrong with taking on responsibility. There's nothing wrong with, you know, making money, got to eat, need something over your head, uh, some clothes to wear. Nothing wrong with that. But this culture of action and expectations and materialism creates in us stress. Add that to just normal relationship stress, keeping families together, marriages together, raising kids, work stress, you know, just stuff that happens around life, uh, health issues, uh, losing a loved one. Life presses in on us, and that stress has tremendous impact. It has an impact on us mentally and physically. I'm going to show you a video from a medical foundation that talks about the impacts of stress. I hope it doesn't stress you out. Stress is a part of life, and it's not always a bad part of life. Most of us enjoy good stress in small doses, like roller coasters, watching sports, or even a scary movie. That's the kind of stress that keeps us young and on our toes. Then there's bad stress, or worse, chronic stress. Negative stress isn't just in your head. It can affect us both mentally and physically. Stress hormones in the body for extended periods of time can physically age our cells. So when you're stressed at work or home, your cells look and act older, making you look older and even impacting your immune system. Not only does it add years to your appearance, it can also affect your memory, making brain cells shrink permanently. Even short-term stress can make it hard for you to remember simple things. The good news is, you can manage stress now to prevent more damage to your body and mind tomorrow. All right, shrinking brains, looking old, I know what you're thinking. Uh, Treadway, you must be really stressed out. Uh, Not that bad, but stress has a huge impact. Stress can lead to anxiety and depression. 44% of people lose sleep nightly because of stress. Between 75 and 90% of all doctor's appointments are stress-related. 43% of adults suffer from long-term stress-related harm to their body. 85% of students feel stressed on a regular basis. The cost of stress is $300 billion a year in the United States of America, as um, uh, obesity is $100 billion a year. 40% of people overeat due to stress, Stress increases heart attacks and strokes. Stress weakens our immune system and makes us more susceptible to disease, including cancer. That's stressful to even think about. So what causes stress? Everything causes stress. Life causes stress. Life is stress, right? You do have money issues. There are expectations where you're always trying to navigate the expectations of your your family, of your career, of your neighborhood, of your lifestyle. Relationships are stressful. Self-esteem could be stressful. Very, very few people have a kind of self-esteem that just creates a confidence in all areas of life. Most people deal with some insecurities that create stress, and then we have to perform to meet those expectations or pretend where people were not. Busyness creates stress, guilt creates stress as we deal with the impacts of something we've done wrong. Tragedies create stress. It is stressful right now in Florida. It is stressful in Texas. It is stressful in Mexico that was hit with this uh, incredible earthquake. It is stressful to live in South Korea right now. I mean, it's just stressful sometimes based on the circumstances around us. But regardless of those very real stresses, there are also stresses that we create ourselves. A lot of people get stressed over absolutely nothing. We just panic for no reason at all, right? <laughs> I'll give you a couple of examples. I was in the store uh, about three weeks ago, roughly. There was a young woman who just wanted to buy something. I don't even know what it was. Doesn't matter. But it wasn't there. It wasn't in the store. And I'm behind her, and she starts shaking, visibly shaking. Her eyes start welling up with tears, and with a shaking voice, she says, "It's not here." This kind of stuff always happens to me. I'm like, "Hun." Relax, relax. Now, I don't know if she had a medical condition or whatever, but I'm just telling you, she was freaking out over nothing. It's like, I'll take you to the store next door and get that for you. I mean, we can solve this, but it's what I want right now by my expectation, my plan, and if that falls apart at any level, we are done. You've heard of uh, Road Rage, right? Um, About three months ago, roughly. This young woman um, was going on the freeway, just merging onto the freeway. No problem. You can kind of tell she was new at the driving thing because she was driving the speed limit. And driving the speed limit, she she moved over slowly to the next lane. Well, she might have looked in her rearview mirror, but what she didn't see was a guy cruising down that lane at 100 miles an hour. So by the time she got to that lane, the guy was right up on her. So she was feeling stressed. I was just next to her to the right. She was feeling pretty stressed. This guy flipped out. He goes right in front of her and does the stupid, usually men style, road rage and slammed on his brakes and then wouldn't let her pass, went down about 25 miles an hour on the freeway. Other drivers around her saw what this guy was doing and road raged him, got in front of him and started harassing him. So I'm looking at this, you know, suburban style, slow motion, Fast and Furious 12 movie unfolding right in front of me. Like, I'm not getting involved. I'm going to cruise to the back here. Something goes down. I'll see what I can do to hell. But I'm not getting involved in the fray there. That's road rage. You've heard of that. Have you heard of Golf rage. You know, I play, I play golf uh, about once a week, and some people, they hit a bad shot and hits clubs in the ground and breaking clubs and cuss, swear, curse. It's like, bro, you are not good enough to be that mad about what just happened, right? <laughs> well, there's road rage, there's golf rage, there's ref rage. I was at, oh, just a random community high school football game on Friday night, and the, the white hat ref freaked out, enraged the entire game over nonsense, over nothing, just freaking out. It's like, dude, you're gonna drop of an aneurysm right here, we gotta bury you out back, it's gonna make this Friday night very awkward for you. I mean, people just flipping over nothing, right? I hear the term overwhelmed a lot, I'm overwhelmed, overwhelmed, and, and, and sometimes we put ourselves in that position for sure, sometimes there are busy seasons for sure, But that overwhelmed is just an emotion that we feel, and we let ourselves be overcome by the emotion of being overwhelmed. And we just kind of paralyze and freeze because we have a lot to do. Being and feeling overcome or overwhelmed does not get that next thing on your list done, does it? And it prevents us from really living the kind of life that is peaceful and restful, right? That light life that Jesus calls us to live. Here's a post on Yahoo! Questions. She says this I feel so stressed out and I don't even know why. I'm just frustrated, sad. I want to cry. I'm mad. My shoulders and neck are tight at times. My stomach is a mess. My mind is racing a mile a second, thinking that something is wrong or will go wrong. I worry about everything for no apparent reason, and I guess that's maybe what's stressing me out. My question is Does anyone else feel the way I do? What's the answer? Oh, yeah, that thread just went on fire. I mean, hundreds of people saying, I get exactly what you think. I understand it. This is my life as well. For men and women alike, this feeling of being overwhelmed and stressed for no apparent reason. Jesus invites a community of peace to get together. He called it the gathering or what we now call the church. He calls a community of peace to get together together to live in peace together and and to allow us to tap into a culture of peace because we are connected with Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus envisioned a gathering of friends enjoying the grace of God and enjoying a gracious community that enjoys being gracious to the world around them. Does that sound like fun? Does that sound awesome? This sounds great, a community, a gathering of friends enjoying God's grace and a community of grace that enjoys giving grace to this world around us. I mean, this is exactly what Jesus envisioned. And so when we live in a troubled world, when we gather together as a family of faith, when we gather together as friends advancing the cause of Christ, it's to be a wonderfully peaceful atmosphere with no stress, embracing one another as we are walking with one another when we're hurting, when we fail, enjoying our families, enjoying this this idea that we are connected Advancing the cause of Christ in powerful ways together from here to Texas to Florida and beyond. This is a very cool thing. But oftentimes when people come to church, it just adds to the stress. It's stressful enough getting here. You know, you got whiny kids. Everybody's trying to get together. We don't want to be late. No, they changed the service times on us. Actually, it's gone very, very well today. And not a thing changed with you, so we're all good. Um, But it's stressful just getting here. And then when you come here, typically what you experience is you get, you know, Christian leaders who are well-intended but get loading people up with more burdens. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you got to do. Here's what you can't do. If you do this well, God will bless you. If you do this bad, he'll curse you. I mean, that's just kind of the normal thing, which creates more stress, right? It creates more stress. That's why Jesus says, I've come to relieve you of your stress. I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's a very important question today, very important. Did Jesus say life would be easy and light? He did not. Thanks for answering quickly and everybody's shaking their heads. Jesus did not promise that life would be easy and light. He says, in me, you'll have an easy and light soul. You will be at ease, you will be restful, you will enjoy a peaceful and light life even while the world is troubled. In fact, Jesus makes these promises, two of them in John 16, 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. This is our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This is our soul at peace. But he makes another promise. In this world, you will have trouble. We don't like that promise. We like the peace promise. We don't like the trouble promise, but Jesus says there's both. He promises in him there will be peace. He promises that in the world there will be trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus says there are two things going on here. In me you will have peace. You will enjoy love unconditionally. You will enjoy forgiveness. You will enjoy meaning and purpose in life. You will enjoy a community around us of peace. But in this world you will have trouble. There's peace in Christ, trouble in the world. Jesus says I've overcome the world. Even as you're in a world of trouble, you can live at peace. In the the innermost parts of who you are, you can live at peace. I'm going to put this a couple of different ways to make sure we get this. There is trouble in the world, but there is peace in Christ. To put it this way, peace doesn't come with a change of circumstance. Peace comes with a change of heart. This is huge, huge. When we pray, it's very normal and very understandable for us to pray for a change in circumstance. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. We pray for a change of circumstance. God, fix this relationship. Fix my finances. I pray I'll get that job. I pray that house sells. I pray for my kids to change and my spouse to change. Pray for the circumstances to change. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we pray, let's pray with an open hand, right? Even if we, you know, pray in faith or pray in the name of Jesus for something to happen. You know, this isn't magic, you know, pixie dust here. God is sovereign, and God's plan and God's will is moving forward, and God will intervene when he wishes to intervene and not when he doesn't, right? So we pray for a change of circumstances, but that may or may not happen. What is absolutely a promise is that in Christ, we can be at peace. So when we pray, it's fine to pray for a change of circumstances. God always hears you, but we can't boss God around. He's got a better and perfect plan for us. But what we can pray for is, God, would you allow me the privilege of being at peace whether or not my circumstances change? In Christ there is peace, but in the world there is trouble. So what did Jesus mean by this offer of peace, this offer of rest, this offer for a light and easy life? What did he mean by that? Well, he uses an illustration that is very common at the time. It's the illustration of a yoke. Now here in suburbia, we don't know about a yoke because it's used to harness livestock, right? We think a yoke is the middle of an egg. Y-O-K-E is a uh, very heavy um, wooden, sometimes metal, but usually wooden uh, harness. You put the circular piece of wood around the neck of an animal and this big, heavy beam to put on top of the neck of an animal, and then you use your uh, ropes to harness and to guide the animal, maybe an ox, um, maybe a donkey. And Jesus uses that yoke as an illustration of how we live Now, during the time of Christ, they had three heavy yokes. They had three heavy yokes. The first was called the kingdom of heaven. The Jews wanted a heavy burden of the kingdom of heaven. And so here is uh, some writing from uh, ancient Hebrew literature. We shall be under thy yoke, O God, forever and under the rod of thy chastening. That sounds very formal and very stern. It was. A lot of Jews thought that it was really their calling to be under the discipline or under the rod of God. Basically, they're saying, yeah, whip us into shape, God. We want the burden of the kingdom of heaven. They actually took that as, as a source of pride. I think it's religious masochism, right? Jesus says there's a second yoke as well. A man must first take upon him the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. That's the first yoke. And after that, take upon him the yoke of the commandments. These, this is God's law. They wanted to be under the discipline of the kingdom of heaven, but then they wanted to be under the heavy burden of God's law, hundreds and hundreds of religious rules and expectations that people had to follow. They wanted that, they wanted that burden. Again, it's spiritual masochism. They wanted sort of this pride of being all in and hardcore and super obedient. So there was the yoke of the kingdom of heaven, there was the yoke of the commandments, and then there was the yoke of the rabbi. Everybody would submit themselves to a rabbi, a religious leader, and then that rabbi would give them another yoke, the rabbinical yoke. A rabbi's set of rules and lists, which was really that rabbi's interpretation of how to live the Torah or God's law, was called the rabbi's yoke. They had three heavy yokes of the kingdom of heaven, the, the commandments, and the rabbi's rules and lists. And they carried this around. They carried that around in defeat. They carried that around never being able to meet all those expectations. In fact, they would say to themselves, I can never satisfy God, so he will never bless my life. I can never satisfy God, so he will never bless my life. And those yokes became so heavy, um, it could remind us of this little donkey here that we uh, just saw. There he is, that poor guy, completely burdened by these yokes, completely burdened by the load And some of us feel like that. We feel as though we'll never satisfy God. We can never be good enough. And we just live in defeat and live in guilt. Some of us believe we will never be able to meet the expectations of others. We'll never be able to meet the expectations of our spouse or our kids. Or, you know, keep up with the the neighbors in terms of lifestyle. We'll never be able to meet the expectations of our boss. You know, relationships are falling apart. We just feel the stress and the load that is just part of, sadly, normal life. Jesus wants to lift that load from us. In fact, he wants to take that load upon himself, especially the religious load, all these expectations and rules and regulations. He wants to take that from us. He took the law upon himself. He paid for the law and paid for our failings upon himself on the cross. He died for it all so that nothing but love exists between us and God. And believing in that creates a restful life. It creates an easier life. It creates a lighter life. Because we know unconditional love By God through Jesus Christ. We know it cold because Jesus died for us and he rose again from the dead in absolute victory. So now there is nothing that separates us from God. Nothing. That creates an easier and lighter, more restful life. So let's talk about these these three words very briefly that Jesus um, told us. He said, first of all, rest. Come to me if you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm gonna just read from McLaren's exposition. It's a great work on on this word and it's very poetic. Jesus looks with clear-sighted compassion into the inmost history of all human hearts. He sees the toil and the sorrow which weigh on every soul, and no less remarkable is the divine power to help everyone. He says there's two things going on. First, Jesus sees the burden of everyone, of all, all of humankind, the burden that we carry, but then he has the divine power to lift those burdens to make our lives easier, lighter, and at rest McLaren's exposition goes on to say this. Think of a Jewish peasant. This is Jesus, 30 years old, opening his arms to embrace the whole world and saying to everyone everywhere, come and rest in me. And Jesus Christ in this merciful invitation speaks to all who have tried in vain to satisfy their consciences and to obey God's law. And Jesus says to them, cease your efforts, no longer carry that burden of failure upon your shoulders. Come unto me and I will give you rest. There are people striving to satisfy God, to do good, so that God will bless their life or answer their prayers or give them eternal life or have them escape condemnation. They're living in that burden and working towards that burden. Jesus says, Cease your work and rest in me. Rest in my love for you. The second word is easy. The second word is easy. Jesus says, My yoke, my brand new yoke, I've taken these yokes from you and I give you a light yoke. My yoke is easy. Now, that is the English translation of a Greek word that Jesus used, it's krestos. Krestos is the word. Now, easy is not a good English translation, but there are no better English translations. Krestos is a very uh, complex Greek word that has no English equivalent. Krestos means a deeply satisfying good or kind thing. Uh, krestos would be used about education. You know, to have a, a deeply satisfying life that's, that has more ease to it, get a good education. Crestos is also used of a deeply satisfying, rich and good aged wine, all right? I don't know if there's any wine connoisseurs in here. I am not a wine connoisseur. I'm like, okay, that one's good, that one's bad. I have no idea why, but you know, hey, that's about as deep as I get. But people who are uh, vintners, they understand exactly why a wine that is well-made and well-aged is so rich and deeply satisfying. Jesus says, your life can be like aged wine, rich and deeply satisfying. So here's a question. Can you describe your own life like a fine wine? Can you say, you know what, my life is like a fine wine. It is rich and deeply satisfying. There's a smoothness that only gets better over time. If you can't describe your life as a fine wine, then we need to be here for the next five weeks. Because we have a journey to walk. That's the life that Jesus wants us to live, a life that is restful and a life that is easily rich and deeply satisfying. And then Jesus uses the word light, light. He offers us a life that travels light, traveling light. 3.45, tomorrow morning, I am getting into my car, going to an airport for a three-day trip to Chicago. And I'm telling you how I travel. I travel light. I travel with a backpack and a man purse. So me and my Merce are leaving at uh, 3.45 tomorrow morning, going to an airport, no lines, traveling light and easy, right? I'm a guy, so I only have one pair of shoes, super simple. If I'm traveling with the five others, with three girls, it is a monstrosity, right? But when it's just me, I travel light. And it is so much easier to just travel light. And, and Jesus wants us to travel light, not with these heavy burdens of meeting God's expectations, not with these heavy burdens of meeting others' expectations, heavy burden, with stress, not ever feeling as though we're measuring up to God or measuring up to others. He wants us to be free from that, to be free from that, to have a light and easy life, a life that travels light. And that's always been God's intention. 1 John 5, 3 says the commandments of God are not burdensome. They were never meant to be a burden. God wants us to live freely. He wants us to be freely loved and then freely love others. That's what God wants of us, right? That's traveling light, just living a life of love. The life Jesus offers travels light, unburdened by having to meet endless expectations of God and endless expectations of others. That light life is available to us. Rest, easy, and light. I could sum up all three of those words in a word I love very much, a word that is tranquil. Tranquil, I just love that tranquil word. Uh, the, the Spanish word is even better to say. It's tranquilo, tranquilo. It's just so much fun to even say. What are we talking about next Sunday? Ah, the tranquilo life. La vida tranquilo. I mean, it's just awesome. So this is what Jesus offers us. In a troubled world, this world is troubled, but we get to live that tranquil life in a troubled world. How can we do that? Well, we're going to talk about that over the next five weeks, but I want to leave you with just a couple quick examples. I read an article recently about a high-stressed event planner. This is a big-time, high-profile event planner. We're talking about big convention center, big money, a big business, uh, politicians, dignitaries coming through, and she has to put together very complex events that have to be absolutely done to a T, high stress. And she was killing herself with this. That stress was killing her. So she wondered what to do with it, and she just decided one day that she was going to refuse to get worked up about anything. This was her conclusion. I'm going to refuse to get worked up about anything. That day she made that decision. Now, is it that easy to just decide I'm not going to get worked up? Well, yes and no. The reality is that shortly after she made that decision, she had some missteps, and she got all amped up when other people didn't do what they were supposed to do or something didn't work quite right. And then she caught herself again. I have decided I'm not going to get worked up about anything. It can start with a decision. It can start with a decision. September 10th, 2017, I'm gonna decide not to get worked up about anything. Simple question, has getting worked up about anything actually helped anything? Never, it only makes it worse, so why do we do it? Well, we're trapped. We're trapped in the harness, we're trapped in the yoke of our own insecurities, and we're trapped in the yoke of our own unrest, and Jesus wants us free from that. So it could start by just refusing to get worked up about anything. Now, she goes on to explain some things that might sting with some of us. I have a theory now that people get all worked up because on some level it makes them feel important. Their stress is almost like a dysfunctional badge of honor they wear. We talk about this quite a bit at Rancho. You ask somebody how they're doing. Oh, I'm so busy. If somebody said, ah, how you doing? Oh, tranquilo. You're like, oh, you're lazy, right? You're not. Our cultural currency is busyness. If I'm busy and if I'm stressed, that means I'm valuable. If I'm busy and I'm stressed, it means I'm doing something important with my life. And we want to project that to others because we're so insecure that we're not good enough, that we're not valuable enough, that we're not important enough, that we have to make others feel as though we are. And how do we do that? Busyness, stress. She says this, the craziness of their life and schedule somehow tells the world how important they are. I refuse to buy into that anymore. There's no reason to get that stressed. It's totally unnecessary. And this is exactly what Jesus says. Jesus says, I tell you, therefore. Now, this is I tell you, don't worry about your life. He just says it. Part of this is just a switch. We just have to decide I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to get worked up. Now you might be dealing with chronic issues or medical issues regarding stresses and anxiety, get treatment, get help. We have safe safe harbor counseling, go to your doctor, get some help. We're just talking about the daily stresses of life. Jesus says, "Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body or what you will wear. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they?" God says, you're valuable and I love you just as you are. I love you unconditionally. I've proven that when I gave my son, you're forgiven. You and I are good, God says, right? Rest in that. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? The answer is worrying accomplishes nothing but harm. Harm to the situation, harm to others, harm to even our own bodies. Now, if you need some motivation, worry and stress makes you old and shrinks your brain at the very least, be motivated by that, to make a decision today, September 10th, 2017, I'm not going to get worked up. And I guarantee you, you make that decision right now, that's going to be challenged in your own house tonight. And you're going to have to say, don't get worked up. Peace, home, peace. <laughs> Practicing the promise of Jesus, He forgives, He loves, He never leaves, He never forsakes, He will give you strength to work through every situation with grace. One final story and we're done. I met a new hero of mine last week, a woman that you will never meet, a woman that uh, you will never notice. She's a woman who has six kids, they're all quite young, and her husband is an Iraq war vet uh, who is very, very seriously disabled. You can imagine her entire life is very difficult. Her entire life could be just a whirlwind of absolute stress for he and her kids. With every single day comes new challenges and new tests in this woman's life. There are no two days that are alike. Every single one of them is incredibly difficult. But she approaches every new challenge with grace and dignity and the strength that God gives her and the very small community around her of friends and family that love her and support her. As I met with her the other day, I thought to myself, the next time I'm tempted to complain about anything, I'm going to think about this woman, I'm going to pray for this woman, and I'm going to begin thanking God for every single thing I could think of. And perhaps if we can ground ourselves in this way, ground ourselves in the love and grace of God, ground ourselves in the reality of what other people are going through, ground ourselves in the reality that we are able to live by God's grace a life of rest, a life that is easy, and a life that is light. Even when the world is full of trouble, our souls can have that light and easy feel to it. Why? Because as Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me. If you are weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. So we're going to close in prayer right now. We're going to pray a prayer of faith. Faith in God's love through Jesus Christ. Faith in what Jesus did for us. And for some of you, this prayer of faith might be the first time you have an understanding of God's love and grace for you. The Bible calls that salvation. This may be the day and the moment of your salvation coming to faith in Christ. For others of you as we pray this prayer, maybe you're stressed. Maybe you've gone sideways. Maybe you just need to be free from these burdens. We're going to pray a prayer coming to Jesus and receiving the grace and mercy he has for us. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for the peaceful, restful, light, and easy life you offer through Jesus Christ. Life is not easy. In fact, Jesus made it very clear, life is full of trouble. But we can have a restful life. We can have a light and easy soul because we come to Jesus. So, Heavenly Father, at this very moment, we accept the free gift of love through Jesus Christ. We accept that he is the forgiver. We accept that he has borne our burdens. He bore the law. He bore our failure upon himself. He died for it. We are forgiven, and there's nothing that separates us from you, nothing. We are loved and accepted just as we are, so we receive that love. We receive the reality that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will flood our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We embrace the reality that you will never leave or forsaken, that you will always give us the strength to be able to endure anything that comes our way. Thank you that you have gathered a family of faith around us. This church, loving men, women, and children, loving families that can come alongside without judgment, without condemnation, to accept us just as we are, walk with us through every success and every failure so that we can be supported by a family of faith even through times of difficulty. God, we come to Jesus asking for peace thanking you for forgiveness, thanking you for unconditional love. God, would you allow us to make a decision today that we will not get worked up, we will not worry inordinately, we will not be consumed by the yokes, the burdens of expectations, expectations from you or from others. We will live at perfect peace. And when things go sideways, I pray that we would be re-centered in our faith in Jesus Christ, that we might live that restful, peaceful, light and easy life, that Jesus promises. In Christ's name we pray, and everybody said, amen.